Greetings. Welcome to another episode of Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright. And I'm Vicar Lieber. And today we're going to look at the readings from or for August 2nd, which will be the ninth Sunday after Pentecost. And the readings are from Isaiah 55, 1 through 5, Romans 9, 1 through 5, and St. Matthew 14, 13 through 21. And like last week, we're going to change our format. But this time, I will be asking the questions, and Vicar Leeper, who has prepared and studied diligently, will be discussing specifically the Gospel lesson, St. Matthew 14, which is the feeding of the 5,000. So with that, I'm going to jump into the first question. And uh, Vicar Lieber, could you explain to us the context in which this text comes up? Uh, what was happening? Uh, the kind of um, what's happening with Jesus, the, the time? Right. Uh, I think that's a great question. And it's an important one because this happens during a part of Matthew's telling of the gospel where there's kind of a shift. And it started back... I want to say in uh, as far back as chapter 11, uh, where as we, as we see Jesus' ministry start to encounter more and more opposition. And as this opposition is growing, Jesus takes this time to tell these parables in Matthew 13, a lot of which deal with the question of uh, why is the world not responding to the word the way that we expect it to? And as Jesus kind of answers and looks at that uh, throughout Matthew 13. But chapter 14 starts with a critical and important event, and that's the death of John the Baptist. John the Baptist had been foretelling Jesus' coming. Uh, he, his ministry was tied to Jesus's. But John the Baptist gets killed by Herod uh, at the request of, I believe, his granddaughter or his, his niece wife's his wife's daughter daughter yes so it would be his niece because his wife is his brother's wife yes so it's herodias is the is the girl and at the request of her mother she requests the beheading of john the baptist and this event hits jesus hard if you look at verse 13, it says, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Uh, John, the death of John the Baptist is kind of the first martyr of Jesus's ministry. It's the first death that kind of results from him coming. And aside from the fact that John the Baptist is his cousin, this is something that he wants to take some time for himself. He wants to spend time in prayer uh, with God because of this. But that doesn't really work out. Because despite the opposition that he's been encountering, he's also encountering increased uh, support. More and more people are following him as he becomes a more controversial figure. So when he tries to go and get some time alone to mourn the death of his cousin, uh, to talk, to pray to God, and talk to, about this shift in his ministry, the death of John the Baptist, the crowds follow him. Uh, they follow him out to this kind of place in the middle of nowhere. And as a result, they end up 
kind of stuck out there with no food when dusk comes. So in the midst of this, they get stuck. And they're out in the middle of nowhere, so to speak. And it appears that they get hungry. And we have in verse 16, we hear that um, they're hungry and they need to be fed. And the disciples, you know, asked Jesus, how are we going to feed them? And Jesus makes this great statement. You feed them. Why would Jesus put that on his disciples? <laughs> I think that's actually one of the core questions that I had for this text uh, when I was reading it. So it starts with the disciples coming to Jesus, which I'll be honest is normally not a good sign. When the disciples come to Jesus with a problem or a question, uh, usually the thing they're about to say is a little stupid. And this is, this is especially prevalent in Matthew, where you kind of see this contrast between the disciples, who are these extremely human characters, who make mistakes, who are wrong, who don't understand, with this Jesus who's telling these parables nobody understands. Well, when they come to him and uh, tell Jesus to send the villagers away, uh, Jesus says, no, that's a stupid thing to say. They don't need to leave. You provide for them. You give them something to eat. So your question was, why does he ask them to do this? Yeah, because I, I, with that statement, you give them something to eat. They presented the problem. Right. They see it all in practical terms. It's not like they have the money to feed them. It's not like that they can go find um, some fast food to easily give to everybody. They're in a big quandary. And I understand that this is a very earthly thing. We can't feed them. Jesus, what are we going to do? And you're the leader. Send them. Right. I think what Jesus is getting at is trying to show them, rather trying to ask them, who are you putting your trust in? Are you putting your trust in yourself? Are you putting your trust in, uh, I, I, I don't want to use this phrase, but the ways of the world? Or are you going to put your trust in me? He asked them to give, that, to give them something to eat, to kind of show them that they cannot provide the way that he can. And this is a harsh statement because they clearly can't give the crowd something to eat. But it's also a statement which will later bring good news, a statement which will later bring gospel when their deficiency, their lack of ability to provide is met with Christ's ability to provide abundantly and impossibly. So what I kind of hear you saying is that Jesus is setting up this impossible scenario that the disciples can't do. Right. to show that he will take care of them and not to be mean and not to show I'm God, I can take care of everything because you can't. But to, again, like you said, to focus them on how will this be done? Right. Through you or through me? Well, they've brought this problem to him. And so his question is, okay, how does this problem get solved? Does this problem get solved by sending the people away? Is this problem going to be solved by you doing what's necessary? Or is this problem going to be solved by trusting in me and trusting that I will provide? Now, as, as much as the disciples are being foolish here, I don't want to fault them too much. Because remember, Jesus is doing things that 
no one has ever done before. And before we jump too quickly on the disciples are stupid train, remember that they are in a once in a, not just once in a lifetime, but once in the history of the world situation. Oh, I completely agree. And I, I would love to see the, the faces of the disciples when Jesus says, you feed them. And just that, that utter panic look that I'm sure that they all had. Well, right. And that's, they try. They bring five loaves and two fish. Yeah. Uh, which, honestly, I'm impressed that they even did that because they have to know this isn't enough. They have to know. But Jesus has put the problem on them. And so they bring them anyway. They bring these five loaves and two fish. And Jesus asks them to bring them to him. And then he tells all the crowd to sit down. And he takes these two loaves and five fish and he looks up at heaven and he says a blessing and he breaks the bread and he gives it to the disciples and the disciples go out and they distribute it. Well, with, with that, um, I want to move a little bit into, it's kind of a two-part question. Um, he divides them into families and groups of, what is it, 50 and 100, but we count or we're given the count of 5,000. Yes, is there any reason that we have the number 5,000? Is there any uh, importance to, placed on this number? Mm -hmm. Well, that number comes in verse 21, uh, where basically it says that the people who ate were 5,000 plus women and children who aren't included in that 5,000. And the short answer is the reason it says 5,000 is because that's about how many people there were. Uh, sometimes numbers in the Bible are meant to have a symbolic use. Uh, for example, with the with creation, we have this number seven that pops up throughout the Bible showing kind of completion and things like that, or three kind of representing the Trinity. But sometimes a number is just a number. And the reason it says 5,000 is probably because that's about how many people there were. Uh, 5,000 people in addition to the women and children. It's it's the same thing at the end of John when Jesus appears to his disciples and he, he tells them to cast their net on the other side of the boat and they pull in this huge catch of fish and at the end it says that they caught 153 fish. Now some theologians, some ancient church fathers try to divide 153 up and figure out like, okay, if it's 12 times this, times three, which is the Trinity, times this and this and this, and they tried to make it work. But the truth is, sometimes a number is just a number. And the reason some of these details are here is because these events happened, and the people who wrote them, wrote the Gospels, either witnessed them or got their information from people who did. Well, continuing with just the number aspect, um, what about the number of loaves, mm -hmm. fish, and then baskets? Because, again, these are all numbers that show up in this text. Right. I think the basket number is the only one that's of real strong interest to me. I think, once again, the loaves and the fish are probably, that's how many there were. Uh, the 12 baskets could, and I, I say could strongly, uh, be a reference to the 12 tribes of Israel, the complete people of God. Um, I'm willing to... Uh, acknowledge that those baskets, Jesus might have purposely uh, provided a certain amount so that 12 baskets representing the complete people of God would be left over. I'm not saying for certainty that's what this is, but that's the only number in this text that truly sticks out to me as one that could have a meaning beyond base reality. 
Is there any significance to the fact that not only were the 5,000 plus women and children fed, but that there was leftovers? They ate their fill and there were leftovers. Well, think back to the disciples, you know, being told to give them something to eat and realizing that they can't provide for this, these people. Not only can Jesus provide for 5,000 plus, he can provide so much that there's enough left over for 12 baskets, enough left over to take the symbolic meaning for the entire people of God to eat and be satisfied and have their fill. So yeah, I do think there's significance that there's some left over because it shows just the overabundance of how God provides. I really like that aspect, the overabundance. Uh, we, we have preached the depths of God's love. Right. The extent of his mercy knows no bounds. And I, I think this text really brings that aspect out. Mm -hmm. Because again, as we were, were discussing earlier, if it's left to us, we're sending people away to fend for themselves. Right. But in God, come to me and I will provide out of my abundance, my miraculous abundance. We'll take even what can we provide to people that come to us? Uh, if it's up to me and my very limited resources as a seminary student, as a vicar, uh, if someone comes to me in need, uh, I might have to send them away. I just don't have much to give. But we don't just have of ourselves to give. We have Christ that we can give to people. And what that means is the sharing of the gospel. It means the sharing of Christ's love and his mercy. And that is overabundant. And that is something that we can provide through Christ. If we just rely on ourselves, we will always run into limits of what we can provide people. But if we rely on Christ, what we can offer, what Christ provides, is ultimate satisfaction and abundance of his gifts and mercy. That doesn't always mean the physical gifts that are described here in this miracle. Jesus physically fed these 5,000 people. Um, he doesn't often do that same type of thing today, though he does provide for us through um, the means in our lives. The, ways that, the way that he provides for us is primarily through himself, through the sacrifice that he made on the cross, through his death and resurrection. He provides for us everlasting, abundant, overflowing life. That overabundant, overflowing life is exactly what is given here at Holy Cross through the preaching, through the teaching, through the life that is here. And it would be wonderful if you would join us on Saturday at 6 o'clock or 8 o'clock, which is live streamed on Sunday at 9.45, to partake in the abundance of his mercy for our salvation. Also, if you would be so kind as to share this podcast with others who may want to learn and know about the abundance of Jesus' life for them, please do not hesitate to reach out to us via email or Facebook. We welcome and would be delighted to hear from you. God's peace and blessings. Amen.